Thank you for downloading this message from Roots Community Church. We pray that you are encouraged by the word. If you are looking for more information, please visit us at rccphoenix.com. So we're going to continue on in the message that we started last week. And if you missed last week's message, you didn't hear it, or you haven't heard it on the podcast, I want to really, really, really encourage you to go back and listen to it because I'm not going to rehash it here, but I'm just going to quickly give you a couple little setup points for what we discussed last week. The title of the message is How God Speaks. And we talked about the extremes, about how there's some people who are like, you know, God talks to them all the time. Like, that's what they say. You know, put your left shoe on before your right one. You know, don't eat toast or eat toast but no butter today or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, every, they think God told them everything. And then there's the other extreme of people who are like, God stopped talking. He only talked to the disciples or the apostles, and then they stopped. The cessationists. And so we talk about both extremes. And, you know, when we hear the, if you're someone who hears the statement, you know, God speaking, and you may be one of those people who say, I don't, never had that happen to me, or I don't know how that works. Um, and we talked about a better way to say that phrase would be God communicates rather than God speaks, because no one hears an actual voice. That doesn't happen. Um, they sense some things, and we're talking about ways that God communicates and the the number one point from last week is god communicates however he wants he'll do it however he wants whenever he wants you know if if he wants to make a donkey turn around and talk to somebody like he did with balaam in the old testament he'll do it if whatever he deems necessary to get your attention to meet an eternal end that's how he's speaking to you and so last week we talked about peace provision and providence and that providence can also mean circumstances he works in those areas and today we're going to um continue on that list and talk about the rest of these uh several of these things it's not a all-inclusive list but this is a lion's share of how you're going to experience throughout your life how god will speak to you he will probably do it in some other ways um as well but these are the lion's share and so that's the reason uh, last week we went through abc that's the reason your notes start with letter d See, we put them together. I was thinking ahead on that one. Um, So the first line in your notes, when we're talking about how God speaks or how he communicates to us, is letter D is through God's word. He talks through his, he speaks to us through his peace. He speaks, speaks to us through provision. He speaks to us through providence or circumstance. And he speaks to us through his word. 2 Timothy 3, 16 through 17 outlines this for us. All scripture, stop. All scripture. Not part of it, not most of it, not the Old Testament only or the New Testament only, not your version of scripture, not the parts that you like and don't like. All of it. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we're wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. How does God's word prepare you to do every good work? How does it equip you? 
when you read it and you consume it, God reveals things to you in an applicational way. And sometimes what his meaning is when you read his word. Have you ever had a scenario where you've been reading scripture and you've read something that you've read before, you've read it a couple times, it might be some, you know, you read Proverbs all the time because there's, you know, 30, 30, you know, 31 chapters and you do one day a week or something, or you always read a psalm every day and you've kind of gone back over something and then the third or fourth or fifth time you've read it, you're kind of like, oh, I've read this before, but you still read it and all of a sudden, bam, the light comes on and you go, I never saw that before. Mm -hmm. I've read this thing multiple times, but I've never seen that before. The Holy Spirit is revealing something to you. Now, we got to be careful because not every thought that pops into your mind when you're reading Scripture is the correct one. Let me go back to our fa my, my, my favorite uh, TikTok minister, uh, this guy who, you know, who told everybody that he wants everyone that God wants everyone in his in the word says God wants everyone that if you are someone who's the same sex attracted he wants you to to come out and live openly in front of everybody because he reads the story about Lazarus and when Jesus rolled away the tomb he said Lazarus come out he said see he wants you to come out to everyone so all of us chuckle because well, that's not what he means you know what I mean like you're taking like an like an old an old phrase that was written how many thousands of years ago and translating it through a modern lens, right? That's not what that means. So not every thought that you have that pops into your mind like that is a real thing. And how do you realize or how do you judge whether those things that pop into your head or those things you understand at that moment, like, man, I missed that before. How did I miss that? I've read this so many times. Next line in your notes, God never contradicts scripture God never contradicts scripture why first line of that passage we just read all scripture is inspired by God let's stop right there anybody remember the old days of uh, early internet and going to Safeway and having to get an America Online CD that you put in your CD-ROM and you pushed in the button and it, and it goes bing or whatever that noise was, you know what I mean? It's like and it finally connects like after 37 minutes of trying, you know, if somebody called you on the phone or something and it, and it knocked you off the line, you're like, oh, I was reading something and now somebody, my phone rang, it was, ah, you know what I mean? Remember those days? There's a lot of people who think that in a similar fashion, that's how the disciples and apostles got the Bible. They got the, what they were writing. They were, just, they were sitting there one day and all of a sudden, bing, they got connected, you know, and all of a sudden it starts just feeding in and they start going like this and they're not look at the paper and they write down and all of a sudden, bam, they're out of it. And they go, I wrote something. What is this I wrote? Oh, this is good. I should send this around to everybody as letters. This looks like it could go to Ephesus. Send that over there. That's not how that worked. They saw an issue. They were compelled to address it. How do I address it? 
and the Spirit of God literally inspires the words that comes out of them. If the Spirit of God is inspiring those words that come out of them, and it is inerrant, meaning that it's flawless, it's infallible, it is the actual Word of God, then how is he going to reveal something to you that contradicts that? What you'll find is Scripture will often interpret Scripture. You will find that if I had an idea, bam, I never saw this before. Find another place in the Bible where it says the same thing. If you can find another place in Scripture where it literally in context says the same thing that just hit you, you go, oh my gosh, the Lord revealed something to me. He is communicating to you. A lot of people use the verbiage, oh, well, God spoke to me about this. Well, how did he do that? Well, he didn't speak to me. I was reading scripture, his inspired word, something triggered off that I'd never seen before. It caused me to dig into it, and I found these other places where it said this. I never saw that before in this passage. Man, what just happened? God's communicating to you. We talked about it last week. There's different ways to communicate, right? There's different, like, you don't just have to use words. Like parents who got kids, right? They're off fooling around in the side room, you know, you're like, you give them that little side eye, you know, you know, put it out or whatever. There's different ways to communicate without using words. And in a similar way, this is what God's doing. He's communicating to us without using like audible words. Make sense? When we learn something from scripture or see a truth we've never seen before, God is communicating to us. Another way that he communicates to us, letter E in your notes. This one will probably make some of you squirm, and it'll make some of you clap. Okay? Letter E. Visions slash dreams. <clears throat> Visions slash dreams. When I say dream, I do not mean your desired future occupation or a goal you're worked to in a capitalist American society so you can feel like you have been a success. Your dream. Go after your dream. I'm not talking about that kind of dream. When I say vision, I'm not thinking about your life vision statement. I'm going to visualize what I want to become. You know, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about actual vision or a dream. You're sleeping at night and you have a dream. Not all of those dreams you have at night mean something. The majority of them probably don't. And, you know, if the pink elephant is chasing the polka dot armadillo, you know, while riding a unicycle and a clown is clapping in the audience, that was the disgusting pineapple you put on pizza before you ate. Stop putting fruit on food. That's another message for another day. But <clears throat> so uh, that, was that, that was just you just being crazy, right? The Lord showed me that the clown is the laughter. No, he did not. No, stop, 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 stop. He didn't say nothing to you that night, except don't eat that late again. Probably that's his message to you, right? <clears throat> but there, there's, there's scripture to back up how God repeatedly talks to people who weren't the disciples through this way. I have not found in scripture where God says this is the only way he's ever communicated to one person. 
but it is a way, a avenue he can speak to you. Acts 9, 10 through 16. Now there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. The Lord spoke to him in a vision. See that right there? He's communicating to him through a vision. Calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to Straight Street to the house of Judas. When you get there, ask for a man, named, uh, a man from Tarsus excuse me, named Saul. He is praying to me right now. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and laying hands on him so he can see again. But Lord, exclaimed Ananias, I've heard many people talk about the terrible things this man has done to the believers in Jerusalem. Remember, Saul was killing folks. And he is authorized by leading priests to arrest everyone who calls upon your name. But the Lord said, go, for Saul is my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to kings, as well as to the people of Israel. And I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. Your Bible, these words, not mine. God gave a vision to Ananias with instructions. And what did he do? He obeyed. He went and did it. If you think about that and you want to kind of cook your noodle a little bit, God instructed him to go. And before he even gave the instructions, and this man had a choice to answer, uh, to respond obedience or disobedience, he already told Saul, hey man, this dude named Ananias is showing up. Knowing my servant will obey. Now you might go, well, Matt, that's a one-off. How does that happen today? Um, I went down a little bit of a rabbit hole last night and listened to several and read several testimonies from Muslim people who are living in the Middle East who are converting to Christianity. This is happening in every, every predominantly Muslim nation. Iraq, Iran, the West Bank, Gaza Strip, Saudi Arabia, all of these places that are predominantly Muslim, there is a phenomenon that's happening. And many Muslims are having dreams when they sleep about Jesus speaking to them. Now, Virtually all of the Muslims, got, people who are having these dreams, both men and women, having dreams of Jesus, have these, the, 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 the visions and dreams, they differ a little bit, but they almost always have at least these four characteristics. They can come in if they need to come in. <clears throat> come on, you're good. <clears throat> Hi, kids. <clears throat> Almost all of the Muslims that are having these dreams have similar characteristics. And I put them in your notes. There's four bullet points for you, okay? Number one, Jesus appears to them. First line in your notes. He appears in their dream. He appears in them in the dream. The second thing, Jesus tells them to find and speak 
to a person at a certain place at a certain time. So he gives them specific instructions and directions to go to a certain place and talk to a certain person at a certain time. The third thing, when the Muslim follows Jesus' instruction from their dream, he or she finds the person at exactly the right place or time and place, and that person explains who Jesus truly is and presents the gospel. The gospel. And then the fourth bullet, the Muslim believes that Jesus is the Messiah and Savior and places their faith in him, renouncing Islam. Almost every one of the dreams that these Muslim guys are having, these, these Muslim people are having, have these four elements. What I want to point your attention to very quickly is this is remarkably similar to what God told Ananias to do. Go to this place at this time, find this guy. He appears, gives instructions, go to this place and this time. See the similarities here? Now, Lee Strobel, who um, was a, uh, a very famous in the 70s atheist journalist who decided to disprove Christianity and along the way converted to Christianity because he found so much overwhelming evidence for it. He wrote, uh, he wrote a book called The Case for Christ. He also wrote a book called, more recently called The Case for Miracles. And he does interviews with some of these people who are having these visions, these Muslim people are having visions from Jesus and, and dreams about Christ. Here's the quote from one of the women who he interviewed. Um, it says, if you ask, a, and it's in, in your notes, if you ask former Muslims in the Middle East how they found Christ, the next line in your notes, 80%, 80% will say they saw him in a dream. If you go to the church that's in the Middle East, the Christian church, and ask Muslims who, people used to be Muslim, converted to Christianity, how in the world did you get in here in this church? How did you convert? 80% of them had a dream. <clears throat> this is a true story about one of those people. There was a man named uh, Kamal who was a leader of an underground church in Cairo, Egypt. And this is within the, last, uh, within the last decade, I believe, is when this was. He was praying one morning, and he felt, he felt this burden or this leading that he needed to go to this very popular public market. He didn't want to go because it was a super busy day. And when he was about to go leave, he was going during the time that Muslims were gathering for their prayer. And the prayers now was typically a chaotic time for him, not being a Muslim. And he did not want to be in the middle of all that. He avoided it at all costs. But he went to prayer. He felt this leading. I need, I don't know why I got to go there. This doesn't make any sense. But I, I am confident that I, gotta, I just have to go. There's something right here that's kind of just pulling him in that direction. So he obeys and goes and stands in the middle of that busy, chaotic market. People are going around. They're moving around. They're selling things. They're loud. They're, you know, doing everything that they're doing in this big market in the middle in the middle east and uh, and after he's sitting there for a while he sees a woman off in the distance look at him 
and then pointed at him. It's you. Now you're a Christian guy in a Muslim market or a Muslim dominated area in a market in a public place where they're gathering for prayer and some lady who's a Muslim who is literally covered head to toe in the Muslim garb and she points and goes, it's you, it's you and starts running your direction. I don't know about you, but I'd be like, who? Him? It's him. Go after him. Right? I'm not sure what's about to happen. She comes up to him and she keeps going, it's you, it's you, it's you. And, and, he, and he goes, what? What do you mean it's me? And she goes, you were in my dream last night. Now, some people would be like, I'm in most women's dreams. That's not what he did. That's not what he did, right? If that's you, there's room at the cross for you, okay, right? Um, <laughs> I'm stupid. Um, anyway, um, she said, you were in my dream last night. I remember those exact clothes you were wearing. Then all of a sudden it hits him. Wait a minute. She might be one of these people who's having a dream. She's a Muslim woman, obviously, by the way she's dressed. Maybe she's had a dream. And he said, in the dream, was I walking with Jesus? And she said, yes. This is what she said. Jesus walked with me alongside a lake and began to explain to me how much he loves me. I've never experienced so much peace like that. I didn't want him to leave. I asked him, why are you visiting me, a poor Muslim mother with eight children? Jesus replied, I love you. Her name was Noir. I love you, Noir. I've given everything you for you. I died for you. Ask my friend about me tomorrow. He will tell you all you need in order to understand why I visited you. Then in the dream, Jesus turns Noir and points behind them. And this guy that she didn't recognize has been following them the entire dream. She said his face was magnificent. I couldn't take my eyes off him. Jesus did not tell me your name, but the clothes you have on right now and the glasses you are wearing is the exact same thing I saw in the dream, and I knew I would not forget your smile. <clears throat> Kamal, this church leader in Noir, spent three hours talking about Jesus. She took several days after this to weigh her options. Because you and me think about approaching somebody on the street or connecting to somebody and saying, oh, yeah, you should give your life to Jesus. And people be like, yeah, that might be a good idea. In an Americanized, safe, free society, they might go, I'll give it a shot. I'll go to church with you on Sunday. But in the war, she's eight kids deep into this thing. Chances are she has been raised in this she's in the full garb she's in head to toe coverings that she has to wear and so for her to go home and decide am i going to do this not in the americanized islamic community which is enjoying the freedom and just wants to call god allah and pray and do a, a live some type of moral fat you know life according to what they can glean out of the quran and they don't really want to do what the hadiths are telling them these, uh, the, they, they don't want Sharia law to be enacted because they realize that it decimates everywhere it's enacted. 
But these Muslim countries where we're talking about, you leave Islam, mm -hmm. you're a candidate to be put to death. The dream, we go, that's so nice. I wish I had a dream like that. Mm. It, would be, it would be nice. Where it would just pop up and be awesome. But, and then I would go, I, I go to church now. I'll read that book. It's awesome. It's great. This lady is now making a life or death decision. Am I going to follow the lead of the God who appeared to me, told me about this person, showed me what he was wearing, the glasses he had on. I remember his face, the countenance, the way he smiled, told me to be at this place at this time, and here he is. Am I going to follow him and put my life at risk, or am I going to reject all of that that just happened? She came back three days later after counting the cost, which is very biblical, and decided, I cannot get away from what just happened, and renounced Islam and became a believer in Christ. I don't find accounts where these people have this one dream, and then the next week, Jesus appeared to him again, and then the next week, an angel appeared to him, and then the next week, you know, another angel appeared to him, and the next one, a demon appeared, and then the next one, a demon and an angel appeared. I don't see that anywhere. I see that these visions and dreams happen to push someone, invite them into an eternal decision. They're not instructing you on what kind of cereal to eat this morning. He's talking about eternal ramifications. If you have a dream like that, and personally, if you're like, Matt, has it ever happened to you? Three times in my life, I have had dreams. I've had to go and ask people about, talk through, and go, oh my gosh, man, I really feel like God's communicating to me through this. Three times in my 24 years I've been alive. That's happened to me. <laughs> you old people get that. <clears throat> that joke. Um, older people. Um, but that's not a frequent happen every day. Happen every, I'm not saying God can't talk to you like that every day. I'm saying historically and biblically, I don't find that he does that every day. But he can speak to you in that way. And if he does, and you have a dream that is undoubtedly from God because it has eternal consequences and specific instructions for you so that you can have an opportunity to witness to someone, man, then he's communicating to you. God spoke to me in my dream last night. Well, how does he do that? He's not speaking. Lose that terminology. Don't get lost in the semantics or the language of it. He's communicating to you. What is he communicating to Noir? I love you. I died for you. I want you. I have orchestrated all of this to happen so that you would have an opportunity to know exactly I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the only way to get to heaven. He's, so when someone goes, God spoke to me and told me that, well, he didn't say that. They're looking at what's happening and they're sensing, oh my gosh, this is what this would mean to me. They're not hearing it. They're realizing God's communicating to me. 
how I would love not to be in someone's dream just to be there, but how I would love to walk close enough with Jesus that he would put my name in someone's dream and go, go talk to my friend. New goal for me. To be that close to him that God would go, me and him, we're close. Go talk to him. He'll tell you the full story. That should be a goal for all of us. To walk so closely with him that God would orchestrate through a vision, through a dream, through providence, through circumstance, through some encounter, that they would come to you because you got the truth of the gospel and you are a friend of God. Letter F in your notes, another way he communicates to us is his leading, his leading. <clears throat> we touched on this a little bit with, with a Kamal in the last story. He felt this leading, this, this thing that was drawing him to do something that he didn't want to do, um, and, but he just knew I had to go to that market, right? Let's, let's look at Acts 16, verses 6 through 10, how this is shown in many places, but this is just another one here in Scripture. Next, Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and Galatia because the Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at that time. Then, coming to the borders of Mycenae, they headed north for the providence of Bethania, but again, the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went on through Mycenae to the seaport of Troas. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. So here's what happens. Paul and Silas and his traveling companions they decide we're going to Asia. We're going to go into Asia and we're going to preach the gospel. And I don't know if they realized it was the biggest continent, you know, at the time or the biggest, you know, surface area mass on, 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 the, on the planet Earth. So we're going to go there and just swing for the fences. But they decided to go there and something happens where the spirit of God prevented them. You may hear somebody say it like this. God told them no. He didn't say the words no to them where they heard him. He closed the opportunity for them to go. We don't know what this was. We don't know if somebody promised to take them and then they couldn't. We don't know if someone was smuggling them across a border and then they weren't able to get through. We don't know if someone said, I'm going to finance the trip and then was robbed of all the money. We don't know what happened. But in some way, they had planned to do something, go this direction, and something happened. A divine orchestrated circumstance from God happens and he blocks them from going. So they go on the plan B. We're going to go up the road. If we can't go deep into Asia, we'll at least get into the northern part here through Bethania. And so we're going to go up this road, and they go up there and work a way to go that direction. And we don't know what happened there, but the Spirit of Jesus prevents them from doing it. What is God communicating or saying to them? Don't go this direction. He didn't say don't go this direction, but he closed the door 
communicating to them, this is not the way I want you to go. Then they land in a seaport city of Troas, which is a half day's journey by boat to the place that they're going to go in Macedonia. So here's what these guys do. When Paul has the dream that night, God closed this opportunity for us. He closed the next opportunity for us. We, Paul had a, a dream and a vision last night about come to this direction, and we're real close to it. So what did they do? Jump up and shout and tell all their friends, God speaks to me through dreams. No, they thought about it. We decided to leave for Macedonia once, having concluded. Did you catch that? They had to think about it, pray about it, let it sit with them. He closed this door, he closed this door, he had a dream here, we're real close. My conclusion is, after thinking about this logically, I'm putting this to the test, I'm looking at how God deals with us and going, it looks to me like he's guiding us, he's speaking to us, he's communicating to us, go here, because of all these other things. Understand? When we sense the leading of the Lord in our decision-making and way of living, God is communicating to us. Letter G. <clears throat> Another way God communicates to us is through others. Through others. <clears throat> now, I want to be clear and careful, but also direct all at once. So forgive me if I get a little clumsy here. It's a problem to listen to non-believers interpret the Bible. It's a problem. It's like asking someone who's not in the family to tell you about dad. They may have read about him, but you talk to him. You got a personal letter from him. You got directions from him. You got the spirit of God living inside of you. You have him guiding your steps. He's orchestrating things for you. He is speaking or communicating to you through his peace, through his providence, through his word, through circumstances, through all of these, possibly a vision or a dream, through these leadings. He's speaking to you and to listen to someone who has not been made new tell you, well, this is what this, this really means. It may sound really smart. It might be wildly philosophical. It might be something that was like, oh man, that is so wildly smart. That's even a good principle. I'm not talking about good principles. I'm talking about the Spirit of God talking to you, communicating to you directly. I'm not saying somebody can't have some historical insight here can't know something about history. I'm talking about interpreting what God has given us from a secular perspective, someone who is not regenerate, who is self-absorbed in some way, self-serving, teach us about what the Bible is really saying is a thing that we should avoid. Now that can sound self-serving coming from someone who teaches the Bible because my next, my, the next um, encouragement for you is to find biblically-based teaching to learn from. This does not mean that everybody who calls themselves a pastor or a minister online, like our TikTok minister, right, should be listened to. Because many 
people in an effort might be well-intentioned. They might want to build their church. They might want to encourage somebody. They might want to give somebody hope. They will make promises on behalf of God that he didn't make. If you sow $100, I believe it's going to come back to you tenfold in 100 days because hundreds. And if you're named Benjamin, that's the guy that's on the hundred. You should give $200 and he'll double it. He'll double for your trouble. Right? All of us have heard this. And at some point, I'm full transparency. I bought it. Man, if I could take this hundred bucks and turn it into a thousand in a hundred days, I could probably put a couple things on this credit card and be out of debt in like in less than three in less than three and a half months, right? And so I gave the money. And as soon as I did, I was like, 100 days. And the next morning I woke up and I'm like, what is the matter with me? What is going on? I just got swindled by a guy who said he was talking for God. You know what happened in 100 days? Nothing. I lost count. There's too many other things that happened in the next 100 days to see if God gave me back my $1,000. He did not do that. He did not do that. Why? Because this minister made a promise and slapped God's name on it because it was nifty that God didn't make. I, I still can't find the scripture. Hundredfold in a hundred days. Right? Can't find it. <clears throat> so I'm, I'm encouraging you to act in wisdom, discernment, and with the leading of the Holy Spirit. And if you hear some nonsense like that and something in your heart goes, like kind of tenses up and it's not a heart attack you know what i mean it was just something right here it's kind of like the holy spirit's communicating to you i'm not talking about conviction ouch man that got me i'm talking about that i'm talking about that sense you know what i'm talking about right that sense it's like like you want to go that way and there's something in your chest is like uh-uh uh-uh right that yeah cringe right that whole thing there's a possibility God's communicating to you in that moment. He's disrupting your peace. So how does he speak to us through others? Romans 12, 6 through 8. In his grace, God has given us, believers in Christ, different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God's given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God's given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. I just watched all of you serve people and serve a church and you did it out of obedience or a love for God or because you wanted to serve in some capacity so people will come find him this last Friday, right? You had no idea that the guy was operating everything by himself and went, oh my gosh, man, you guys are amazing. You just saved me so much. What does your act of service, what does God use your act of service to communicate to this man. There are people out there who are not competing with me. 
we're on the same team. I don't have to look over my shoulder and think, is Roots Community Church coming from my neck in some way or telling people don't go to the fountain, come over here. They weren't in the green room telling people you shouldn't come to this church, you should come to my church, right? You know, they were, you weren't doing that. All of that is communicated through your obedience to, to your gift serving other people, including believers. Have you ever come to church and um, I used to think, well, it's awesome for me. When people would go, I have been asking God about this this week and you preached on it. In my younger years, I was like, well, that's why you pray. You know what I mean? Like, like let me throw my cape back in behind my shirt here. You know what I mean? Like I was a superhero. But what happens is the spirit of God drops something on your heart if you're really following him. And you're like, I don't know I'm supposed to preach this series right now, but I'm going to push this in here. And then it speaks to something you're directly dealing with, a scripture you had a problem with, a question about God that you were, we were wrestling with, and it came at the exact same time. It's not because, oh, he's the man of God, and he's got a hotline to Jesus. No, it's God orchestrating things to communicate something to you. He is speaking, communicating to you through other people. You obediently using your gifts. Here it is, Paul instructing all of us. Use your gifts to serve God, to serve other people, to serve um, the believers. And when you do that, you have no idea what that God is using that to communicate to that person. The goal is to get to heaven and have a thousand people who you impacted and you had no idea because you were just faithful and obedient to serve and to use your gift, whatever it is, encouraging, giving, leadership, uh, showing kindness, teaching, prophecy, whatever that is that you've been given. This is not an exhaustive list, but if you've been given a gift and you're serving others with it, you have no idea what God is using you to communicate to others. <clears throat> when you serve other people or other people serve you at the exact right time and it's the right message or the right thing at the right time, God is communicating to you. Here's a fun one. Letter H, another way God communicates to us, speaks to us, conviction and discipline. Yay! Conviction and discipline. <clears throat> John 16, 7 through 9, we, wrote, we read part of this last week. But in fact, it is best for you, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, uh, it is best for you that I go away. Because if I don't, the advocate or the comforter, the Holy Spirit, won't come. If I do come, if I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will what? Convict. Convict the world, excuse me, of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me. If he convicts you of your sin, he's talking to you. He's communicating 
to you. Psalms 19, 119, 65 through 68. This is David writing uh, to the Lord. You have done many good things for me, Lord, just as you promised. I believe in your commands. Now teach me good judgment and knowledge. I used to wander off until you disciplined me. But now I closely follow your word. You are good and only do good. Teach me your decrees. How in the world are you going to know what he wants, how he wants you to live? You go back to his word. You experience the revelation. You sense his leading. He begins to show you things that are in other places of scripture. And he begins to teach you through his word, through this leading, through his conviction. He is communicating to you. When we're convicted of sin, God is disciplining us and communicating to us. <clears throat> Letter I. The last way we'll talk about tonight. God communicates several ways at once or multiple ways at once, however you want to write it. Multiple ways at once or several ways at once. <clears throat> Let me give you another example how this happens. Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. In Caesarea, there lived a Roman army officer <clears throat> named Cornelius, who was a captain of an Italian regiment. He was devout. God-fearing man, as was, as was everyone in his household. He gave generously to the poor and prayed regularly to God. One afternoon, about three o'clock, he had a vision, ah, in which he saw an angel of God coming toward him. Cornelius, the angel said. Cornelius stared at him in, in terror. What is it, sir? He asked the angel. And the angel replied, your prayers and gifts to the poor have been received by God as an offering. Now send some men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying with Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. As soon as the angel was done, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout soldier, one, uh, one of his personal attendants. He told them what had happened and sent them off to Joppa. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat of the roof to pray. It was about noon and he was hungry. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He saw the sky open and something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. In the sheet were all kinds of animals, reptiles, and birds. Then a voice said to him, get up, Peter, kill and eat them. No, Lord, Peter declared, I have never eaten anything that our Jewish laws have declared impure or unclean. But the voice spoke again, do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up to heaven. Peter was very perplexed. What could the vision mean? Or what could, what could the vision mean? Just then the men sent by Cornelius found Simon's house. Standing outside the gate, they asked if a man named Simon Peter was staying there. Meanwhile, as Peter was puzzling over, over the vision, the Holy Spirit said to him, three men have come looking for you. Get up, go downstairs, and go with them without hesitation. Don't worry, for I have sent them. 
How many different ways in this one scenario did God speak? Anybody catch one? I'm just throwing out. Vision. vision. Gave him a vision. He gave a vision to Cornelius and he gave a vision to Peter. And Peter was hungry. And he started dreaming about a sheet with food on it, of animals he could eat. <laughs> so to make sure he knew this ain't your hunger talking, the same vision repeated three different times. All right? Vision. What else? Leading. leading. Yep, leading. Why? He's, I'm feeling led to send these people. I have this leading in my heart to send these people to go to this area. Right? Okay, that's a good one. Anybody else? I'm sorry? Through others. He's speaking through others. He's saying, go get this person. I'm communicating my will through you to them. Yes. Anybody else? Scripture. Through scripture. Okay. Anybody else? Holy Spirit spoke to him. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll hearken back to last week. Providence. Circumstance. He's orchestrating circumstances. He speaks to this guy. Go. When they're getting close, God sets his vision in place. He comes out. He doesn't know what's going on. These people come at that exact same time. Go with them. Okay. See how all of those things are working for the same goal. Right? They all work for the same goal. If the Lord is leading you in something, he's convicting you about something, and he's speaking to you or communicating to you in multiple ways at the same time, you can go back to his word and see that this is something that he has done before. Why? Last line in your notes, God never contradicts scripture. We start there and we end there. He doesn't say it's okay for you to do this thing and then in the Bible say everyone shouldn't be doing it. Right? He doesn't contradict himself. Let me give you an old, uh, like an old King James way of saying that. There's no shadow of turning in him. He's not contradicting himself. <clears throat> so here we see all of these things God is speaking in all these ways to communicate what he wants to happen. Um, this has happened to me in one major milestone point of my life. Me and Nina were in Texas and... Um, we, were, we moved there in 2008, moved back here in 2011. So about a little over three years we were there. And it was a train wreck. We went there to start a church. We've talked about this before. It was just hard. About two and a half years in, I'm watching. I, nothing's working. Nothing we, there, you want to talk about closing doors? Don't go that direction. Don't go that direction. Don't go that direction. Don't go any direction. Like, that was confusing to me because I'd never experienced that before. I'd never experienced that God's hand could be against his own kids, what they wanted. I'm not going to give it to you. Because we made no provision for failure, and we made sure everything succeeded that anybody wanted to do. And no matter how much money we wanted to throw at it, or time, or effort, or lied to people and said, that was awesome, when it wasn't. Because we didn't want to discourage anybody. You just keep having faith, brother. Right? <clears throat> it was horrible. Just awful 
And I started getting phone calls from people that I had dear relationships with that were telling me, we're going to step out here. 72 people moved from here to Texas to go start that church. You know what it takes to move 72 people? From what, just, just to have 72 people meet at the same time, much less move halfway across the country to go do something together. Pulled it off, all that was rolling, and it was just difficult. And I got another phone call a couple weeks later. Somebody else I knew. They're stepping out. I helped them pack. We cried. I was heartbroken. We were just, it was awful watching them go one by one by one. It was like I died a death every time they left. And so about the third person in, third time I got that call, I was like, you know what, that, maybe that's a good idea that we all just go. You know what I mean? Like, and so I got a call from the person running the show, and they told me that another person was leaving. And I was like, dear Lord, what is going on? It's not people attending the church. It's people who built the thing, actively involved every single day. We're making plans with them like three days ago. And now they're coming through and being like, hey, they're out. And I was given an opportunity by the, uh, on that phone call by the person who's kind of running everything. They said, look, the dream changed. Everyone's gone. There's very few of us left. If you want to step out here, I get it. it. Wasn't a guilt trip. It was an honest, well, I mean, it seemed at the moment it was an honest presentation of things have changed. It's not what we wanted to do. It's not how, what our goal was. So we, we can all just jump off the ride here if we want you know, because there's not many of us left. And I almost went, give me a day to pray about it, because, uh, yeah, I'll call you first thing in the morning. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like I didn't want to jump at it. And as I was about ready to answer that way, that tension hit me. Not fear, not angst, not heartbrokenness, that, nope, 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 do not say that. And I responded, I'm following God here, man. If he didn't say to go, I'm not going. If he says to go, when he says to go, um, I will be happy to do it. I'm going to follow him, but he hadn't told me to go yet. And I hung up that phone call going, Lord, I have sensed you do things in me before, and... A lot of times I'm right, sometimes I'm wrong. That's a wrong one, right? I can call him back and be like, you know what, on second thought. <laughs> nope. Why in the world did he not let me do that? I start getting phone calls later in the day. Just got a call from a guy running everything over there. He's telling us he owns you. You'll never leave him. Your hooks, his hooks are so deep into you that you won't make a move unless it's with him. My pride was really hurt on that one. I wanted to call right there and go, hey, dude, 
I am out now. And probably could have justified it. The Lord said, hey. He didn't say, hey, don't do that. It's communicating, don't move. That was a rough couple months. And I was praying my guts out. I don't know if I've ever prayed that long, that consistently, ever in my life. I would leave for hours in the morning and go sit at the Vista Ridge Mall in Louisville, Texas, off the, 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 the whatever free the freeway that was that had a toll road on it. They had a free one on the toll road. Man, I know right where you're. I could drive you there today. I was there so often. I'd park under trees, get in the shade, and I'd sit there and cry and sing and shout and be quiet and ask God and beg him, what am I supposed to do? Why is this like this? Are we supposed to leave? Please let me go. Free me from this burden. You know, I went all the way down the line. I used all the lingo. Nope, nope, nope. And I didn't realize at the time that God was teaching me something. And I, I had an opportunity to speak to an older gentleman who was a pastor for many years, and he was trying to help me out because all the money was gone. There's no paychecks. We were barely surviving, you know. I think, yeah, it was, it was rough. And I sat down with him, and he goes, man, you seem troubled when every time I see you. And so I just spilled my guts to him one day about, <clears throat> you know, I... I, I feel like, you know, this has been hard, this has been difficult, it's all these things, I explain the entire situation to him, and he goes, what makes you think you're supposed to stay this long? Why don't you leave? And I said, very matter-of-factly, in my good Christian, I follow Jesus minister voice, because I'm waiting for God to tell me. And he goes, how do you want him to tell you? I'm like, I talk to him for a few hours every morning. I give him a chance to say something. I don't do all the talking. I sit here. I'm listening. Nothing? And he goes, ah, I see, I see. He goes, uh, do you serve a God who is the Prince of Peace? And I said, yes. He goes, but you have no peace. I said, right. He said, do you serve the God who gives you provision when you lead and follow him in a direction? He provides for you? I'm like, yeah. He goes, but all your provision dried up. Yeah. He goes, uh, didn't he say he'd open doors for you in the area he wanted you to go and close the ones he didn't want you to go into? Yeah. And didn't all these circumstances that you just described to me, his providence closed all of them doors? Yeah. He goes, sounds like to me the Lord is talking. You just don't like the way he's doing it. And at that moment, bam, the lights turned on. And I went, I have been told that I just go to prayer and God tells me what to do. I didn't know he was talking to me, communicating to me in all these other ways. So I went back to God's word and I saw, yes, he's the Prince of Peace. He is the God who provides. He's the one who closes doors, opens doors. He orchestrates these circumstances. And I was like, has he been telling me, he's using this moment to show me how to hear him, to understand how he's communicating in a different way. 
And because I'm a knucklehead, and because I think God was probably showing off on this one, the next day, I kind of unplanned met with four different people who did not know each other and didn't know I was meeting them in that day. And every single one of them said, I was praying for you this week, and I don't know what this means, but you're released. first guy told me that and I'm like well you just might be a little bit too close to the situation to know I want to be out of here so I don't know if I can really believe you you know and then I go online and see that my youth pastor as a kid I hadn't seen in a decade who lives in Ohio was in Texas that day and I sent him a message and said hey man I know you're in Texas he goes yeah he's like what why does it matter to you? I'm like, well, I live here. He goes, what, you moved here from Phoenix? I'm like, yeah. He goes, that's crazy. Let's get together today. Can you pick me up in an hour? Sure. So I went and told him kind of what was going on, and he goes, three days ago, I decided I was not coming to this conference. There's no point for me to be here. don't know anybody here. I don't like the people here. I don't want to be here. I just told my wife... Two days ago, before I got on the airplane, I'm not going tomorrow. I just, I don't, I don't know. I, you know, I felt like I should. I did it. Now I'm going, eh, there's no reason for me to go. She woke up the next morning, said, I had a dream last night. The Lord, in my dream, said, you're supposed to go. I don't know why you're supposed to go. And he goes, now I know why I'm here. It's for you. God sent me to a place I didn't want to go from Ohio to a conference I didn't want to be at to sit here for two days to wait for you to call me so we could have this conversation. And as sure as I'm that he sent me here, I'm here to tell you there are these three things you need to look out for and you need to do it now. And one of them was get out. I talked to the next guy who didn't know I talked to him or the other guy and they were like, bro, it's heavy on you. Go. And the last guy I met with at Jason's Deli down the street from my apartment, I remember where I was. I walked in the door and I literally opened the door and walked in. He was already there sitting with his food waiting for me. And he saw me from a distance and went, ooh. And I went, what? He goes, you can leave. I don't know what happened, but when you walked in the door, I saw you and all that screams inside of my heart is, you can leave, you can leave. And I just wept. I get it. I get it, God. You're not talking to me how I want to be talked to. You're showing me in one of the hardest moments of my life, I am going to speak to you and communicate to you in a way that you need to be spoken to or communicated to right now. And I'm going to do it in a way that you can't look and go, it was a dumb pineapple on the pizza. There's no way in the world I could have orchestrated that. And it was the right thing at the right time. <laughs> I used to look at the people who had the dreams 
or they would say things, you know, and, and, you know, today one person has a dream and they change their Facebook name and not their name. It's prophet so-and-so or prophetess so-and-so or whatever, you know. And they go, oh, God spoke to me. And then he's going to speak to me again tomorrow. So come back. If you want to know what God's speaking to America, my book is available at Amazon. I heard that one. That's a real one. I used to look at guys who would say that and go, gosh, man, that would be so amazing if God would just speak to me. Not knowing that he was communicating a whole bunch. I just wanted him to do it the way you talk to that person. Or that thing, I had my stars in my eyes, like, oh, it would be great if I got to talk to you like that. It would be awesome. Mm -mm. My guess is, my hunch is that the Spirit of God has been communicating to all of you in more ways than you've realized. And in different ways than you really wish he would. I don't know if you could handle, if I could handle, any of us, could handle the intensity of what happened to me in that moment repeatedly as a lifestyle. I couldn't take it. I needed something definitive to exit something I was deeply involved with and loved for more than 16 years of my life that I committed to it. I needed a major thing at that moment to be like, I'm shifted. Because it was hard. You should not look in this room and be like, God speaks to him. No. God's communicating to you about a whole bunch of things. Not every day, maybe not every week, but there are simple things that he's communicating to you that you might be missing. Because I'm waiting for God to speak because we've glamorized or elevated some way that he must speak like this. Or you saw a guy, and he was like, oh, man, if I could just, that guy talks to God. If I could just get to that guy, if I could just get to that conference, if I could just hear his message, if I can just listen to him on YouTube, if I can just get this guy to pray for me, stop it. Jesus left you a gift in the Holy Spirit. And he is communicating to you. Not here. Not in the weirdness of the, I got to piece together the mystery. No. He's leading your steps. Closing doors. Opening opportunities. Disturbing your peace. Orchestrating circumstances. Putting a lot of these things in place all at the same time if you need all of that he's talking to you the way you as his child needs to be talked to because all you parents in the room know that if you have multiple kids you can discipline child a one way and it will devastate them but if you discipline child b the same way they're not going to care communicating different ways based on the person that he made. 
No blanket statements, no boilerplate. No, it works like this for everybody. Mm -mm. The only thing that's true is God is real. Faith in Jesus gets you to heaven. His word is true. And he is communicating to you. You, Matt, I don't know if what he said to me is right. Then you're not here enough. You have to go to his word. You have to go to his word. You have to. To even know if what I'm communicating to you is correct. Which is what I've pushed you from day one to do whether you are here or some other place if it comes out of somebody's mouth who's teaching it you got to use that discernment the holy spirit gives you the peace the providence the the circumstances the provision the the leading the speaking through others and his word to know if what i'm giving you is good or garbage very real sense on every one of your faces tonight. Which leads me to believe God's communicating to you or wants to. It's not weird. It's not strange. It's a loving father Looking at you as child and saying, I know the right way to go.